Amen. Let's get to it. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 49. If you have Bibles, open them there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. And there's Bibles in the back, I like to remind us. And if you don't own a Bible, take it home. It's now your Bible. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from afar away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's room, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant. Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with, with the Lord, and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my, has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and, and His Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers, kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. And in this tradition we say, this is the word of the Lord, and you respond, thanks be to God. Starts off, listen up. Listen up. And he tells about a conversation he has with God. And Isaiah, just to give you a, a little a, a, a background, a snapshot of like, what he is like. He's, a lot of theologians call him the poet prophet. So he uses words and he uses sayings and his vocabulary to paint pictures. And he's masterful at it. Look at him. The, the Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. He's made, it, he's made this Isaiah guy into like this, this arrow and this polished sword. And he's, he's using these words to describe how humbly confident Isaiah is. If you've been around me, this is my favorite sermon, so I won't came here a lot. But God has picked you. God loves you. Not only loves Jason, not only loves Gary, not only loves Dale, not only loves Ann, He loves you. He, Isaiah is saying, I was made by God for this. In my mother's womb, God picked me out. 
I think our congregation is actually really good at being humbly confident. Knowing that we're kind of a mess. There's the humbly. But confident that God has made me kind of an amazing person. I was thinking back, because coming up on my anniversary of when you hired me, uh, when I was getting interviewed by, and Greg, Greg Forgatch was on the uh, search committee, and we were, we were introducing ourselves. And, I, and uh, we were going around, and I was saying, you know, like, you know me, because your resume, you read stuff like that. People were introducing themselves, and Greg said, I'm just a local businessman. Everybody kind of just went, huh. And then I, I, I leave that meeting, and I come to find out, Greg's kind of a big deal. I don't know if you know that. God has used him mightily. Same with Eaton. Over here, I'm having coffee with him one day. And he's, I'm just, I'm just hanging out with him and talking. He's like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an English professor. And I hang out with this APU student. And he, I, I said, hey, I just had coffee with Mark Eaton. And the kid, I, it, like, it was like I said, I had coffee with Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was like, whoa. He's like the head of the English. There's a lot of people in this congregation that know they're a mess, but also know firmly that they're loved by God. And Isaiah just reminds us of that. And he says himself an example. He says, I'm, I'm kind of a mess, but I got to pick me out. I'm humbly confident. And then he starts saying, uh, and you're my servant. I'll be glorified. Oh, God says, like interjects in verse 3. He just reminds him, hey, you're mine. You're mine. And Isaiah says, but I said, he's talking with God. He's having a conversation with God. And he says, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. I don't know if you've been here lately, but I have. There's been some times in my recent past that I've felt like I'm banging my head against a wall. I feel like I'm doing what God's calling me, but nobody's recognizing it. There's no fruit. There's no change. Isaiah's saying, God, you called me when I was in my mother's womb. Yeah, I, I know that. I know. But things are rough. The stormy seas are getting pretty high. And I keep yelling this stuff. I keep yelling this message. I keep telling these people about you. And nobody's coming. Nobody's coming back. There's not much happening here. I'm your prophet, right? I'm, yeah. Why aren't you showing up? I want to read from uh, this compilation of Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermons. It's called Strength of Love. I recommend the book. God was amazing. Like James said, he was an amazing preacher. He's an amazing pastor. But he tells this in the, his sermon called The Death of Evil Upon the Seashore. In India, Mrs. King and I spent a lovely weekend in the state of Kerala, the southernmost point of that vast country. While there, we visited the beautiful beach of Cape Cameroon, Cameroon sorry, which is called Land's End. Because this is actually where the land of India comes to an end. 
Nothing stretches before you except the broad expanse of rolling waters. This beautiful spot is a point at which three great bodies of water, the Indian Ocean, the Arabian Sea, and the Bay of Bengal, seated on a huge rock that slightly protrudes into the ocean, we were enthralled by the vastness of the ocean and its terrifying immensities. As the waves unfolded, almost rhythmic succession and crashed against the base of the rock on which we were seated, the oceanic music brought sweetness to the ear. To the west, we saw the magnificent sun. A great cosmic ball of fire appeared to sink into the very ocean itself. Just as it was almost lost from sight, Mrs. King touched me and said, Look, Martin, isn't that beautiful? I looked around and I saw the moon. Another ball of scintillating beauty. As the sun appeared to be sinking into the ocean, the moon appeared to be rising beyond sight. Darkness engulfed the earth. But in the east, the radiant light of the rising moon shone supreme. To my wife, I said, this is an analogy of what often happens in life. We have experiences when the light of day vanishes, leaving us in some dark and desolate midnight. Moments when our highest hopes are turned into shambles of despair. When we are the victims of some tragic injustice and some terrible exploitation. During such moments, our spirits are almost overcome by gloom and despair and when we feel there is no light anywhere. But ever and again, we look toward the east and discover there is another light which shines even in the darkness. And the sphere of frustration is transformed into a shaft of light. Isaiah is complaining to God and he's saying, it's looking like midnight, God. It's looking dark. The waves are crashing. I can hear the sound of the turmoil. And nobody, nobody's listening to me, Lord. God responds and says this. In verse 6. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Dr. Golden Gay says, he's an Old Testament prophet up at Fuller, this is the major turning point in the book of Isaiah. Up to this point, Isaiah's been preaching and teaching to Israel. Israel, the sons of Jacob. Now he's turning the corner. And from here on out in the book, he's talking to and proclaiming that there's going to be Zion. There's going to be something bigger. There's going to be something better. There's going to be a new way. 
Isaiah says, hey, it's too dark. It's getting too stormy. These people in Israel aren't listening. God doesn't respond and say, okay, I'm going to reinforce you. He says, I'm going to give you a new vision. I'm going to give you a new dream. My moonlight's coming up from the east and it looks like this. It looks like no longer just the tribe of Israel. Now it looks like all of creation is going to be under me. He's rounding the corner and he's handing him a baton to the New Testament writer. That's why I say it's so crazy. He has these visions and he gets snapshots of things that we haven't even seen. He gets snapshots of Jesus and he gets snapshots of actually end of time. And when Jesus comes back and sets up a new heaven and a new earth, he says, and the, he's moving from this, he says, I will get into God saying this to Isaiah. He says, I got something new. It's a new world. It's a new mission. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may meet, meet the end of the earth. And then he gives this snapshot. And this snapshot is when Jesus is it, it's the end. This is Jesus. It's, it's, it's summed up him as servant, servant, suffering servant, Lord. And then it, it fast forwards to the very end. And I, I did, it's amazing. He's so good at like sculpting words. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. He's describing the suffering servant. He's describing Jesus. He's gone from this conversation with him and God, and he says, he's talking with God, and God says, no, you're mine. And then also, you're in the, I see that you're in the valley. I see that you're in the dark waters. Instead of comforting you in the dark waters, I'm going to tell you there's a new way. And then he says, Isaiah just says, I, I see this. I see this guy. And he's a suffering servant. He's, he's the redeemer of all Israel. He's the holy one. Everybody hates him. He's despised. He's abhorred by the nations. The, the slave of rulers. He is, he is beaten down. That's the, that's the cross all in one verse. That's all. He's, he's, he's summarizing the cross right there. He's seeing it. I don't think he sees it in the form of a cross, but he sees that there's going to be this God lowering himself down. God doesn't proclaim and just speak down truth. I am bigger than all of your problems. I am bigger than all of these things, even though he is. The great message in Jesus Christ is, I'm going to conquer your problems and everyone's problems, not by saying, this is so. I'm not going to speak it into existence. I'm actually going to go lower than you. you. You have a dark valley. I'm going lower than you. And I'm going to walk. So I'm walking uphill. And then I catch you along the way. I catch you along the way. I catch you along the way. And I catch everyone in here along the way. Because we all have suffering. We all have suffering. Jesus... God says, I suffered more. 
I drop down and I walk up and I pick you guys up along the way and then I proclaim victory when I say it is finished. It is finished. All the suffering, all of it, of all the humanity is on my son and he proclaims it is finished. That's what he's talking about. And then he fast forwards. So there's the cross and then there's the triumphal entry and it's right here. Kings shall see Obama thinks he's president. All these prime ministers think they're rulers. All these people that think they're over corporations. All these people, everything that I think I'm over. We're going to see Jesus coming up over the horizon. We're going to see. And first we're going to stand up. We're going to stand up and say, oh, is that really him? Is that really, is this the really end of the suffering? Is this really the end of it? And then, they shall fall prostrate. They will fall on their faces. I love that band thrice. There's a guy, there's a guy named Dustin Kendrew. He's a worship, worship songwriter. And I, I quoted this last, last week at the gathering. There were four of you here. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm, Dustin Kendrew, in this, in this song, it's the third song in his newest album. And, he, and it climaxes and he talks about all the suffering and all the whatever. And then he, he climaxes he goes, the kings of earth shall all shut their mouths in awe of him. It says here, Isaiah gets this snapshot. All of his suffering, all of his suffering brothers, all of his proclaiming to what it sounds, it feels like, it feels like he's speaking to an empty room, to a blank wall. It's all going to come to a climax and God is going to say, I felt it all with you. I'll drop down there with you in my son Jesus. And I proclaim, I am a new day. It says in Revelation chapter 21 verse 5 that in Zion... All things are made new in Christ. Application of this text. There's hope. Hope first in the truth. He has picked you and I out. Hope. He knew us before we were born. Hope. He drops down into the valley with us. Hope. He not only walks alongside us, he gives us a new thing. And I think that's the biggest application. I think a lot of us, we're in the valley and we need to hear from the Lord. And I think the Lord is going to say some stuff and it's going to look totally different than what you think it's going to be. Isaiah was thinking... Okay, maybe I'll expand to this neighborhood. You know, I'll hand out flyers over here. God says, no, no, no. All of everything. Everything's under me. And then there's hope. Jesus is one day going to be king of everything Every man, woman, and child. I preached from this, from the traditional service a couple weeks ago. 
And I talked about when Paul gives God's mission statement. And I think it's the same as this mission statement. Everything on earth, everything under the earth, everything in the heavens, every great blade of grass, every grain of sand, all of it will be united in Christ. Lord, I just thank you so much for sending your son to die. First, for sending your son to live and suffer amongst us and feel our pain. I thank you for the truth that we have hope. The truth that you knew us and know us. The truth that you are our strength. The truth that you will bring everything to unity in Christ Jesus. Amen.